Good morning and welcome to worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to welcome you to this hour of worship. We are glad that you've chosen to make Preston Hollow a part of your Sunday morning. Uh, if you happen to be visiting among us, we want to extend a special and a warm welcome to you. We do look forward to coming to know you. Uh, one of the ways that we do that is we encourage all who are gathered here in the sanctuary to sign the friendship registry pads. You will find those on the outside aisles of your pews. So please do locate those and register your presence. And note the names of those who are worshiping around you so that you can greet people personally following worship this morning. For visitors, we invite you into the atrium and to the counter there where there are volunteers who are prepared to uh, let you know about the church. They have a gift for you. It is a small token of appreciation from Preston Hollow for you choosing to be with us this morning. And so please avail yourself the opportunity of that. There are connect and prayer cards that you will find in the pew racks just in front of you as you are seated in your pews. These are used for prayers. On one side, if you have a concern or a celebration in your life, this is a way to communicate those with the pastors and the deacons. We consider it a privilege to pray with you and for you in the coming week, and this is a way to let us know of those concerns. The Connect card gives you the opportunity to ask questions or sign up for activities in the life of the church, and these cards go in the offering plate later in the service. So please use those as you would like, and we will happily receive them. A few announcements we want to call to your attention. You will note on the back of your bulletin there are a host of announcements of all kinds uh, for everyone, uh, but in particular we want to make sure that you know that next Saturday at 8.30 in the morning at Coffee Park, uh, the Ruffners will be there for a play date, and so we hope that those of you who have young people in your lives uh, will come out, enjoy some coffee and donuts and fellowship. Um, well, whether you have young kids or not, come on out and get on the Jungle Gym and enjoy some good time on early on Saturday morning next week. So that invitation is before you. <clears throat> on Sunday next week is our happy tradition of Kirkin of the Tartan service. This will be an occasion for us to celebrate our historic Scottish roots, to enjoy beautiful music, uh, and to also uh, kick off our commit season, our four-week commit season. This is the opportunity for us to pledge our financial estimates of giving, uh, supporting the mission and ministry of the church in the year ahead. So know that that will be an important and an exciting weekend next weekend. And finally, we continue our partnership with North Dallas Shared Ministries. Uh, there is a coat rack out in the atrium and also in uh, Founders Hall for you to bring gently used or new coats. Uh, you know, this is the time of year in Texas when we have lovely 50s in the evening and we spike back up to 90 in the days and then we're back into the 50s. It's an indication though that colder temperatures are on their way and there are folks in our midst who need coats. And so please consider uh, gifting uh, the ministry there coats that are, uh, they especially need male, large male uh, sizes. So please consider that opportunity and participate. Today we continue our sermon series on the church where we're asking the question, why serve? What is our motivation, and who is it that we serve? Jesus set a pattern for a life of service. And so today, as we worship, we are asking these questions. Let us now turn our hearts and minds to the worship of Holy God. Thank you. 
Please join in reading, reading responsively our printed call to worship found in your bulletin. We gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. There are no outsiders here among us. No one has any special standing. Praise the Lord.
We are called as God's people to be honest and to name our sins, our failings, our shortcomings, and to do so in community, in prayer. As we pray, we are met by the grace of God and by hope in the forgiveness offered. In humility and faith, let us be honest with ourselves and with a loving and gracious God as we unite in heart and voice, saying together the prayer of confession. God of hope, we confess our disregard of your care, our doubt of your providence, and our blindness to signs of your love. We are afraid to risk our comforts, to find new life. We separate ourselves from you and from others. We foster divisions between those you love. We miss opportunities to serve you and others. Help us amend our lives and make us your faithful people who bear the good fruit of your word in the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. From everlasting to everlasting, God's grace and mercy are freely given to us all. As far as the East is from the West, so great is God's love and mercy for us. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the Gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Join your hearts with mine in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, you have so made us that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. As your word is read and proclaimed, pour out your spirit upon us, that we may hear your word with anticipation and with hope. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So Jerusalem typically had 20 to 30,000 people in the city. That's just on average. That's a normal day in Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but I read Jerusalem and I think of it being a metropolis like Dallas where four, five, six million people lived. But no, it was 20 or 30,000 people who lived in Jerusalem uh, during normal times. But there were three times a year when Jerusalem would uh, swell to six times her normal capacity. And those were uh, during the seasons uh, when they had three festivals outlined in the Torah. Uh, Passover was one of those seasons where people would come from all over the land and pack themselves into Jerusalem. 
It sort of felt like uh, our sanctuary feels this morning. I want you to take a look around. There's uh, some gaps between you, are there not? Uh, We have some friends who are here on the east side of town, and it looks like uh, they have some vacancies in their neighborhood. So if you want to move in over here, you can. Uh, We have some folks who live right in the heart of downtown, and they have some vacancies in where they live. You could move into their neighborhood just like over here. But I want you to imagine what it must feel like to sit in the choir loft where you're sort of packed in. You don't have a choice about where you sit, apparently. Steve doesn't let them uh, have any gaps. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do, something really crazy this morning. I want everyone to move towards the aisle right now. Go ahead and do it. You can move back during the prayer when we have our eyes closed and no one's watching. And even those of you who think that you're on the aisle, I need everyone to scoot in. Scoot into the aisle. Come on, Myers, all the way to the aisle. (laughs) Did you think I wasn't going to see you? You're on the front row. How different does this feel if I were to ask you, Dan, all the way over? Oh, the outside aisle. If I were to ask you a minute ago who your neighbor was, Who would you have said? You would have said who you were sitting next to, but now look all around you, who's your neighbor? This is an important distinction because uh, our scripture passage comes on the Monday of Holy Week. You may remember this story. On Sunday, Jesus instructs the disciples to go uh, outside the city to find a cult. The cult will be tied up. They are to tell the owner of the cult that the Lord needs it. The the owner of the cult will give it to the disciples, and Jesus will get on that cult and enter the south gate of Jerusalem, and people will have lined the streets. They're holding palm branches, and they are saying what? Yeah, but they weren't whispering it. What were they saying? (laughs) What were they saying? Hosanna, right? That was yesterday. Today, Jesus is packed into the temple. It feels like this. There are 150,000 people in Jerusalem. There's nowhere to turn. There is nowhere to even have a sense of personal space. Uh, The Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the, the, the chief priests, those in really fancy robes, and the scribes, and we know who the scribes are, right? Who are the scribes? I can't hear you. Say it out loud. Those who wrote it down, that's what we think when we think scribes. Scribes are lawyers, right? Those who write the law interpret the law. The lawyers, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they've all been asking Jesus questions. They're trying to trap him. And so we get to Monday afternoon. Jesus has just gone outside the temple and flipped over the what? The tables, right? Because Jesus has said, "Um, I'm going to cleanse the temple. I don't want this to be a den of robbers. Don't sell your rabbits and your goats and your lambs out in front of here. Uh Uh-uh. My house is to be a house of worship. That afternoon, they're going to start catching him in some theological questions, they think. And Jesus has them all gathered around. And listen to what happens next. This comes out of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. I'm sorry for those of you who have it open to Mark, but I'm going to do Matthew 22. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, 
asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And this is why I had you move seats. Listen to this. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here's the deal. Here it is. They're trying to trap him. They're asking him theological questions, very uh, technical questions, to ask him to reveal what what is it that he most believes. They're packed in Jerusalem. It's carnival-like. There are 150,000 people. You can't even move. You can barely breathe. You're there for seven days, seven nights. And the very scripture that tells you that you had to make the pilgrimage to come all the way in from the remote areas into the city center of Jerusalem, that very scripture found in Deuteronomy is the very scripture that Jesus repeats back to the Pharisees. They say, uh, so what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to them, uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We need to remember that uh, this is how every service of worship in the synagogue begins. So if we were to go to Temple Emmanuel this morning, that is their call to worship even today. It's called the Shema. So Jesus recites what the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and the lawyers hear every single week at synagogue, the Shema. Orient your life towards the love of God. That is the first commandment. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We have to remember that Jesus is also reciting back to them Levitical code. Leviticus 19, it's right there. Uh, The Lord says to Moses, uh, here are all the purification laws, uh, but also, Moses, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, In the ancient tradition, your neighbor was understood to be the person that you live next to, who was right next door to you, down the street. But Jesus recites this to them when they're in Jerusalem and there are 150 people packed in a city Who's your neighbor now after I had you move seats? Better question. Who's not your neighbor now that I had you move seats? Jesus then says, these two commandments, on these two hang all the law and all the prophets. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commandments are summed up in these two. I think Jesus is saying, (coughs) Pharisees, Sadducees, chief priests, and scribes, it is one thing to know what theological question to ask. 
It's one thing to have the right answer. It's an entirely different thing for that answer to take on flesh in your life. A quick question. How many people feel like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and the scribes are treating Jesus like their neighbor? (laughs) The irony can't be lost on these people. You're asking me what the greatest commandment is, and it's for the love of God to take on flesh in your life. And they can't see it. Which begs the question, um, who taught you what it means to be a neighbor? Who taught you what it means to be neighborly? Maybe it was one of your parents, right? And uh, when uh, the new neighbor moved in right next door, what did you do when the new neighbor moved in right next door into your neighborhood? What would you do? Yes, thank you. You took them cookies. Or in my house, it was an excuse to use all the rotten bananas, mash them up, and bake banana bread. Uh, Somebody at 815 said, we made them a fresh casserole. Not a frozen one, but a fresh one. And you took them to say, welcome to the neighborhood. These are my, this is who I am. These are my kids. They might annoy you from time to time, but we're your neighbors. Maybe it was one of your parents. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a teacher. Like uh, when a kid in your class, their uh, house burned down. When their house burned down and your teacher said, uh, we're going to let the whole school know. And we're uh, going to ask everyone in the school to collect food and to collect toiletries and to collect clothes. Because that kid in our school isn't just a kid in our class. That kid belongs to us. Their family belongs to us. And what it means to be neighborly is we're going to support them in their time of greatest need. Who taught you what it meant to be a neighbor? I don't know. If you're of my generation, um, you might have learned this way. Everybody clear about what that is? Okay, what is it? What did you just hear? Mr. Rogers, good morning, boys and girls. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my I got to tell you, you know what I did for an hour and a half this Thursday afternoon? I watched old Mr. Rogers clips. And you know what became so clear to me after watching an hour and a half of Mr. Rogers this week? Mr. Rogers helped um, millions of young children and their parents who were also watching and also their grandparents who were watching understand that we belong to one another. That's what it means to be the neighbor. Uh, So when the train conductor comes in to the neighborhood, Mr. Rogers helps you understand that you belong to the train conductor or the African-American postal service worker. You belong to them. So we take off our shoes and we put our feet in a bathtub and we cool our heels together. Or the teacher, when she came into the neighborhood, you belong to her. Or the architect or the builder. Mr. Rogers helped us understand that we belong to one another. That's what it means to be a neighbor. 
You know my home church also taught me what it means to be a neighbor? They were folks just like you. The room, frankly, didn't look that much different. Presbyterians uh, who came to worship and that came to church, who did the best they could. They had busy lives and jobs and kids and grandkids. But a group of them uh, created this organization called ACTS, Area Churches Together Serving. It was uh, churches who would come together and pull their resources so that those who didn't have food had a place to go and get food. Those who didn't have clothes had a place to go get clothes. Those who were down on their luck and didn't have a job, they had a place where they could come and get just a little bit of money to pay their light bill. And Acts created a place for folks, no matter what your age was, to go and serve to stack cans of corn in the food pantry and to pack up those bags and to take them to the people who were in need. There was a sense in our community that we belonged to one another. That's what it meant to be a neighbor. Serving was actually not any different than living. Serving was actually no different than living. So that's why in the month of July, every Sunday in the month of July, every Sunday afternoon, at my home church, First Church, Aiken, South Carolina, we would have a potluck. We'd have a potluck because uh, for the entire month of July, that was, that was peach season in Aiken County, and migrant farm workers had traveled thousands of miles so that they could get to Aiken County and pick peaches. Aiken County, by the way, one town in Aiken County produces more peaches than the entire state of Georgia combined. <laughs> Proud South Carolinian, I'm just saying. That's a lot of peaches. And these migrant farm worker men, they were mostly men, had left their loved ones, they had left their families, they had left their children, they had left their spouses, and they had traveled thousands of miles to work for pennies on the dollar so that we could enjoy peaches and ship them all over the country. And my home church said, those migrant farm workers belong to us. And so we're going to make sure that they're fed on Sunday night, and we, uh, we're going to make sure that they get toiletries. And we're going to make sure that they have some sense of fellowship. And we're actually going to make sure that those guys get clean clothes. So we're going to set up vans and we're going to take them to the laundromat so that they would have clean clothes to wear. My home church did this not as a political statement. They didn't do it to make headlines. They weren't doing it so uh, they could fill their uh, social media news feed. My home church did this because they understood that those migrant farm workers belonged to us. And this is what it meant for to love your neighbor as yourself, to take on flesh in their lives in the world. Friends, I have come to believe that when we come to recognize that every person that we encounter belongs to us, that every person is actually our neighbor, it changes everything. It changes the way we live. It even changes the way I drive. 
It changes the way that we encounter the person that we pass on the street. It changes the phone call that we receive from a friend that we haven't heard from in 20 years. It changes everything. Because we begin to recognize in a new way that our well-being is wrapped up in the well-being of our neighbor. You know, I think this is why we have to go on global mission trips. We have to go on global mission trips because uh, treating everyone like you belong to them is pretty risky in the world in which we live today, right? You're like, wait a, wait a second, Matthew. You don't know the guy at my office that I have to work with. You treat him like you belong to him, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but where are you going to be in four weeks, Matthew? Right around the corner from Thanksgiving. You're going to treat everybody in your family like you belong to them? It can be hard. Because our status, our place in this life gets called into question when we treat everyone like we belong to them. It's why we have to go on global mission trips. Do you know um, this is a nonpartisan issue in America? Progressive churches and really conservative churches, we all believe that serving is something we're called to do. 1.5 million Americans this year will go on global mission trips, representing two billion dollars in aid. We have to get outside of ourselves sometimes so that we can remember that we simply belong to one another. You know, that's how, that's what Mother Teresa said. She said, uh, I can diagnose all the world's problems this way. We have simply forgotten that we belong to one another. Sometimes we have to get so far outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to get so far outside of our comfort level and our security for this truth to break open our hearts. And once we see it, we can't not see it. I'm going to close with the most powerful story, the most powerful encounter of that truth in my life. The church I served uh, before I came to Preston Hollow was in Atlanta. And two times a year, we would make a mission trip to the island of Laganov in Haiti. Laganov uh, was a volcanic rock just off the coast of Port-au-Prince. Uh, Laganov is where the least of these in Haiti go. It's one of the most desolate places on the planet. It's a volcanic rock. It has no running water. There are no rivers. There are no streams. There are no trees, because the only way that you can survive on Laganov is to cut down all the trees, to slow burn them, to make them into charcoal, so that you can take that charcoal and then go sell it in the market. So that means uh, when you don't have any trees and the rainy season comes, it comes and hits that topsoil and washes down the mountains, and that topsoil goes right on the reefs, which means there are no fish. So we would go to the island of Laganov, one of the most desolate places, one of the hardest places to live on the planet, and we would go to have this truth take root in our life. We would go, we would take medical care. We would go and we would uh, bring microfinance. We would go and help bring clean water, and I'll never forget, one afternoon, we had been working all day. We left at six in the morning. We got in a, a land cruiser and went three hours up a mountain. We came down. We all needed a chiropractor, you know. 
We were uh, leaving to go get a drink at like six in the afternoon. There was a group of us, about seven, we were walking down this dusty road when a woman out of nowhere ran from behind a compound wall and she started screaming, help, 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 help. We all froze. We didn't know what to do. And one person in our group, Peter, he ran over to that woman and he took her by the hands. And he said, what do, you, what do you need? And in her very broken English, she let us know that there was a woman in labor. And there were extreme complications and she was terrified that that woman was going to die with her child. She took Peter by the hands and ran him behind that wall. Left the six of us just standing in the road wondering, I wonder what will happen next. What that woman did not know at the time and what we all knew was Peter was one of the best OBGYNs in Atlanta. And three and a half hours later, Peter walked back into our house and we said, Peter, what happened? He said, that woman did need help. I said, what'd you do? He said, I ran in and I washed my hands as good as I could and I put on some gloves and we did immediate surgery right that second. And I said, how did it go? He said, I haven't seen some of that equipment since I was in medical school, but I knew how to use it. And we saved that woman and we saved her baby. Then I asked the question, Peter, how many people on this island How many people on this island could have done what you just did? And it hit him. He said, I don't think there's anybody else. And I said, and you're telling me that woman ran right up to you and took you by your hands and led you behind the wall? You? And he lost it. He said, yeah. I said, almost like you were supposed to be on that road at six o'clock that night. And he started to weep and he said, I guess so. Friends, if you have ever in your life been in a place of great need, I would bet everything that I have that someone has run up and taken you by the hands and been a neighbor to you. What is the greatest commandment? It's actually the greatest invitation to this life. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your whole mind. And let that love spill over into your life so that you will love your neighbor as yourself. Because everybody's your neighbor. And serving is just another word for living. May it be so. Pray with me. Thank you for the gift of this community, O oh God. For the ways in which this family and this neighborhood has cared for us. And for the ways that we have cared for her. We pray that it would expand our understanding and our hearts, O oh God. So that our whole lives would be a reflection of your love and mercy and grace and forgiveness in this world. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Friends, as we respond to God's word, please stand in body or in spirit as we affirm our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we turn our attention to prayer this morning, I want to acknowledge that you will not find care letters under the windows as you would normally find them. Our staff who regularly produce those uh, was out sick this, at the end of this week, so there are not letters. But I would suggest to you that if you are at all inclined to send a letter or a note, to please act on that inclination personally this week. A number of concerns and celebrations that we wish to call to your attention today. We offer a prayer of praise that Charles and Melissa Johnson are with us today. They are mission co-workers who serve in Zambia with the Presbyterian Church of Central Africa. They are presenting this hour uh, in Jubilee Hall and we are delighted to have them among us. We offer a prayer of praise for our Epiphany ministry uh, they had their fall dance on Friday evening, and we trust that all who attended that uh, evening's events, the volunteers and the participants as well, had a meaningful experience. We praise God for our Route 56 program. This is our uh, opportunity for our fifth and sixth graders. They had a retreat uh, over the weekend, and they spent part of that serving Feed My Starving Children, uh, a nonprofit organization, and we are grateful for that. We offer congratulations to Sarah and B.W. Crane on the birth of their daughter, Vivian Jenny, 
and she makes Vivian and Paul Newbach proud grandparents, and so we offer this as a prayer of praise as well. We've had a number of families in the congregation lose loved ones in the past week. We offer prayers for Alicia Love following the passing of her mother, Peggy Sherrill, on Monday, and also to Aline Cashmore on the passing of her mother, Elder Mary Blanche Cashmore, on Monday as well. Service for Mary Blanche will be held in the chapel this Tuesday at 1.30 in the afternoon. And I'm also sad to report uh, the uh, passing yesterday of Hank Bachik. Uh, we are praying today for Alice and for the family in his unexpected passing. And so we lift these celebrations and concerns to the Lord as we continue in our prayers together. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of scripture, for its songs and poems, its myths and stories, its teachings and prayers and testimonies, which point us to your living word, Jesus Christ, and call on us to know and serve our neighbors. Your son, Jesus, was anointed to bring good news to the poor and release to the captives. Be with all those who have been anointed or chosen as leaders of people. Instill in them a sense of courage and compassion, of wisdom and truth-telling. Send your spirit to uphold their hearts and minds, that their words and deeds would be a part of your ministry of good news for all people. Encourage each who seek to teach, to preach, to study your word. Be with those who seek to serve others. Write the stories of scripture on each of our hearts and minds. Give us new vision for seeing the world through the lens of your love. Be with any whose material poverty limits their flourishing. For those who long for daily needs and daily bread. Release all those who feel held captive by poverty of spirit. Empower your people to bring sight to the blind and to be a voice of liberty for those who are oppressed. This morning, we pray for areas across the globe that are living in the midst of war and violence. We pray for Syria, for the Kurdish people, for Turkey, and for countless other places and peoples who need a measure of your peace in their lives. We pray this day for those whose health is in question or compromised, we ask your blessing of healing where possible and patience in the waiting. Comfort in situations where healing on this earth is not possible. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would come alongside those who are walking a path of grief. Make your presence known, O oh Lord, in meaningful ways. And we give you thanks this day, O oh God, for the many blessings the ways that you have provided for us in ways that we know, of course, but also in the multitude of ways that we don't. We thank you for occasions such as the birth of a child or a grandchild, 
celebrations such as anniversaries and birthdays and other ways, Lord, that we can mark your presence and evidence of it in our lives. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us today. All of these things we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The church has many purposes, and one of those purposes is to care for the world around us. That is why every year this congregation donates thousands of dollars to organizations in this city and well beyond that are creating change. Your generosity makes that possible. This morning, our Every Dollar Counts offering, all single-dollar bills will be given to Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services grad program to provide care packages for their college-age graduates. Let us make a difference. Let us give with grateful and generous hearts as we receive our morning offering.
Gracious God, bless these gifts we have given as expressions of our love for you and our neighbors, that they may bring closer to fulfillment your reign of justice, peace, and love. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Friends, you may be seated. At this time, I would invite the Horner family to come forward to receive the sacrament of baptism. Friends, I need you to remember something long before you knew, long before you knew who your parents were, long before you knew who God was, long before you even knew what love was. God reached out and claimed you as God's own forever. This was long before you could acknowledge God and claim God back. It's long before you could let go of God in certain seasons, and it's long before you could ever think there was anything that you could do to make God not love you. In the sacrament of baptism, we, we gather around this font and this water to remember that God claims us and loves us from the very beginning. And this sacrament we do in community, and the invitation is for you to remember this truth in your life. On behalf of the session, I present Molly Ann Horner to be baptized. So Lexi and Jason, do you desire your child to be baptized? If so, please say, we do. Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, and that life is stronger than death? and that Christ Jesus is strongest of all? If so, please say we do. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every single day, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ in all that you say and all that you do? If so, please say we will. And do you promise to tell your child the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for her and to remember for yourself that that she first belonged to God, which we know through Jesus Christ our Lord. If so, please say we do. Do we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ promise to guide and nurture Molly with love and prayer through teaching and service, encouraging her to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? If so, please say we do. We do. Friends, let us pray. This is ordinary water, O oh God, but in this water you make extraordinary promises to Molly. In this water you promise to claim her as your own. In this water you promise to wrap her in your love. In this water you seal her with a new identity, child of the covenant. O oh God, it's always been this way with you and water. You moved over the water at creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. Through the waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. So send your spirit again, O God. Hover over this water. Surround Molly now with your grace. She receives a visible sign of it. And renew us all with the gifts of new beginning and deep belonging so that with this young one, we may go from here. Joy is your beloved family. 
For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. By what name shall this child be baptized? this off so you get a little water. Hi. You think we can do it? Mom, we need help. It's okay. It's okay. I got you. I got you. Thank you. Say thanks, Mom. Molly and child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, for you are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. God will love you always. And we're going to help you remember that. Amen. Molly Ann Horner is now received into the Holy Catholic Church. Through baptism, God has made her a member of the household of faith to share with us in the priesthood of Christ. Friends, it is time for you to meet our newest family member. You belong to her, and she belongs to you, and it's time for us to meet her. So I would ask you to uh, join me in singing Raindrops, Lakes, Oceans, and Rivers. I think that's it. I think I got all bodies of water there. <laughs> join me in singing. Having uh, moved to the aisle has its advantages, doesn't it? <laughs> you could see her. Um, it is our tradition at Preston Hollow for us to give you all a candle, and we ask that you would uh, light it on the anniversary of this day so that you can um, tell Molly that maybe she was the best prepared child for baptism ever, and that she <laughs> loved getting cold water put on her head, and that we can all remember that the love that we come to know in Molly is the love that we first come to know in Christ Jesus our Lord. So friends, will you please uh, stand as we sing our closing hymn? We're only gonna sing verses one through three. I don't wanna get...
in a few moments, you, you'll want to come and uh, greet this family and to introduce yourselves formally. But before you go, before we leave this hour of worship, know that you belong to one another, that the world is just one giant neighborhood, that we are all neighbors. As we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, that may that truth guide us. And may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways, this day and all of our days. Amen.